I am going to give you all a gift of a short sermon today. At least I'm going to attempt to do that. We'll see. Okay, Pastor Mike, give me the look if I if I get out of hand here, if I go over. Ivy, cut off my mic if I go past 12. So we're going to continue our series in the book of Acts. And I'd like to just camp out on uh, one little portion here in this story. We'll give some backdrop and and look at the Apostle Paul and his, he continues his journey. He's on his second missionary journey. And this dude, if you're rolling with this dude, there is trauma going on. I mean, there is... There is, uh, there are people out to get them, people that don't like them, Jews particularly who persecute him. Uh, look at Acts chapter 18, and the title of this sermon is Do Not Be Afraid. Do Not Be Afraid. Um, typically when, when we think of the Apostle Paul, we don't think of somebody who really deals with fear, right? We think of somebody who was bold, who was out there taking big risks for God. But as we'll see in this passage and in another passage that the Apostle Paul had some fears to face just like us all. That's a part of the human experience. And the Bible commands us more than any other command in Scripture. Do not be afraid. Fear not for I am your God. I am with you. And you see from the very beginning of time since Adam and Eve rebelled against God, fear, an unhealthy fear, cowering fear, has been a part of our human experience. Uh, with them, their fear resulted from guilt. Okay, they, they disobeyed God, they felt guilty, they felt ashamed, and they were afraid, and they hid from God. Their fear led them to try to hide from God, rather than run to God. And you see, that's that's how the enemy desires to use fear in our lives, to separate us from God, to separate us from his purposes, that His from doing his will and giving our lives to doing his will and paralyze us, cause us to be in, un, unfruitful, cause us to be unproductive and just stuck and paralyzed in fear. Following God requires courage. Doing his will requires courage. Like the Apostle Paul, continuing to speak the gospel even in the face of opposition requires courage. <clears throat> fear is uh, medication for anxiety and fear is at a high right now. Um, there, there's, there's a lot of medication that's given to people with anxiety, uh, disorders and, and just struggling with those emotions and trying to have some sense of control when you're being bombarded with feelings of anxiety and fear. And the Bible tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear. Okay. But a spirit of power, love and sound mind. Let's dig into the text here. Acts chapter 18, verse 1. It says, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them. And because he was on the same, because he was of the same trade, he stayed there with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. He reasoned in the synagogues, Every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. 
While Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there, and he went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. He, his house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household, and many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid. But go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you. No one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. And all God's people said... Amen. So let, let's just get a little background here and look at the map again. So, so remember Paul was called up to Macedonia. The Lord led him there uh, with his traveling companions. So he went up there. He started, um, Philippi up there in the top. The Philippian church got started. And then from Philippi, he went to Thessalonica, as we looked at last week in chapter 17. And then the Jews were, were after him and didn't like him preaching there. So they, 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 he had to, he had to split. So then he went to Berea and, and the, those guys, the Bereans were noble, more noble than those in Thessalonica. They were eager to receive the word. Some people came to faith there, but then those Jews that didn't like him from Thessalonica came after him. They heard about Paul in, in Berea. And so he had to keep on moving. He, he, he couldn't just like slow down for a little while and just stay planted for a while because there were enemies and adversaries coming after him, trying to hinder his ministry, trying to stifle him. So then he goes to Athens and he's there without his traveling companions this time. He's there. He arrives there before Timothy and Silas get there. And then he goes to Corinth. Uh, we, we talked a little bit at last week about his experience in Athens. And there were some who believed, but uh, there were a lot of philosoph- philosophers who didn't receive what Paul had to say. So he shows up in Corinth. And Corinth was the largest uh, city in the region of Achaia. It was known for its immorality. Okay, it was a there was a it was a port city, or there was a lot of marketplace merchant selling. Uh, a lot of business is a place to get to to know people, different types of people, and it was it was full of sexual immorality. It, for for years prior to this, it had a reputation for sexual immorality. As a matter of fact, it, there was a, a saying it was called uh, Corinthians. Basically means to, to be immoral. And so it was full of immorality. Um, it was probably a bit intimidating missionary to be there by themselves trying to reach out to these people. So Paul shows up <clears throat> and he meets uh, Aquila and Priscilla who are doing the same trade as him. Uh, so he meets some companions that he's able to work with. Um, but the Lord tells him <clears throat> not to fear. Don't be afraid. Okay, Jesus tells him not to be afraid. And so here's our big idea. Paul faced fears that could have stifled his ministry in Corinth, but he overcame them through personal encouragement from God. Paul faced fears 
that could have stifled his ministry in Corinth, but he overcame them through personal encouragement from God. A word from God, hearing God's voice, makes all the difference to silence our fears. He hears from God, and this is what the the Lord says to Paul. The Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid. Why would the Lord Jesus speak this to Paul unless he was facing some fear? Jesus doesn't waste his words, right? Jesus doesn't waste his words. So he, he says this probably because Paul had some fear to face in going to Corinth. He had been beaten down in Philippi. He had been opposed. And then he gets there in Corinth and then he meets some opposition again. They revile him. They, they, they oppose his message, which was common. The Jews were opposing the message and it was, it looked a little like it, like it could go down like it's gone down in the past cities, right? Paul might have been a little bit discouraged and a little bit weak there by this time. You know, he's had to go from place to place. Uh, and he doesn't have his, his crew rolling with him, his, his normal crew rolling with him at this point. Um, and so Paul, he says, your blood be on your own hands. He shakes his garments and he says, your blood be on your own hands, alluding to Ezekiel 33, where Ezekiel says, you know, if, if, if the watchman sees danger coming and he warns the people, then he's innocent of their blood, right? But if he warns the people, if he sees danger coming and he says, there's danger, look, look out, then he's innocent of, of the blood of the people. It's, it's their responsibility then to get out of the way, to take cover, to take shelter, to repent, get ready, right? And so Paul had done his job in presenting the gospel, saying Jesus is Christ. He persuaded, he, he reasoned with people and he sought to persuade them that Jesus is the Christ. But they rejected and they reviled and and so he shakes, like Jesus said, if a town doesn't receive you, if people don't receive you, shake the dust off your feet. So that's kind of what Paul was doing. He was moving on and he was going to the Gentiles. He started with the Jews and then he moved on to the Gentiles, which was his pattern. Okay. And so the Lord says, don't be afraid, but go on speaking. Don't be silent. If you and I are going to speak for Jesus, if we're going to be his witnesses and testify, then we have to have courage. We have to have courage. We, we got to face our fears. The number one reason why Christians don't share their faith is because of fear. Fear. Fear of man. Fear of rejection. Fear of saying the wrong thing. Of sounding stupid. Foolish. Right? And so, so fear will cripple us, will hinder us. Uh, so Jesus says, don't be afraid. Keep on, go on speaking. Do not be silent. And this is why Paul can overcome his fears. He says, for I am with you. No one will attack you to harm you. I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed there a year and six months teaching God's word among them. Okay, uh, look at first Corinthians. So here's how we know that Paul experienced some fear. Not only did Jesus tell him, don't be afraid. But first Corinthians two, Paul's writing of his time when he's at Corinth, when he showed up there and he says this. And when I came to you, brothers, and, and I, when I came to you, did not, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ 
and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. He's being transparent here, isn't he? He's being, that's how he was, he, 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 and he was focused on just proclaiming Jesus. And he said, my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You see, the Corinthian people valued good speakers who had a good presence about them that knew how to persuade people with oratory skills. And Paul wasn't going to get sucked into that. He wasn't going to try to to win them over with those those skills that all the other uh, powerful speakers used. He was just going to preach Jesus and expect the Spirit of God to move. He was just going to let God work through his weaknesses and he was going and he stay and he continued to stay there and proclaim the word, even feeling weakness and fear and much trembling. OK, and so Paul faced his fears. Courage is not the absence of fear. OK, courage is not the absence of fear. Paul had fear around him and was facing it and he had to overcome it. Uh, Merriam Webster dis- defines courage as the mental or moral strength to venture, persevere and withstand danger, fear or difficulty. The mental or moral strength to venture, persevere and withstand danger, fear or difficulty. Or another definition is the ability to do something that frightens one. The, or strength in the face of pain or grief. That's courage. So over and over in the Bible, God tells his people to be courageous, be strong and courageous. Do not fear, for I am with you. It's God's will for your life to not be in bondage to the fear of man, the fear of evil, the fear of death, the fear of failure, the fear of rejection. God wants you to live in freedom from those toxic fears that are toxic to your soul and that cripple you from walking in all that God has for you and I. And even the great apostle Paul had to face that himself. He had to face it head on. First, he overcame his fears. He stayed there a, a year and six months teaching the word of God. He kept on speaking and he, and he stayed there because the Lord said, don't, don't fear. Keep on speaking. Don't be silent. I'm with you. No one will attack you to harm you. Uh, notice in, within those, within that verse, within that word from the Lord that Paul heard from God, God says this, I am with you. I am with you. God's presence is enough for us to overcome our fears. One of my children has a greater tendency to be afraid. What that child needs, oftentimes, what they they think they need in those moments, is mom and dad's presence. They want mom and dad to be close. And when mom and dad is close, those fears just tend to minimize. Just knowing that mom and dad's right there with my daughter helps her be calm and, and, and have courage because dad's there or mom's there. And you see, we have that, saints. Paul had that. 
Missionaries have to be reminded of this when they're out on the mission field and they're doing the work of the Lord and they feel all alone. And they feel like nobody cares and nobody's, God doesn't see. Where's God? Christians, we feel like that at times, don't we? We feel like, like who's, is this even worth it? You know, and, 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 and we need to be reminded of this promise that Jesus gave his followers. He says, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And, and, and going to make disciples and preaching the gospel and doing the work of the Lord, Jesus says, I'm with you. I'm with you. And his presence is enough. That's what we need. Because we're going to go through the fire. We're going to go through trials. We're going to experience pain and suffering and difficulty and opposition as we seek to do the will of the Lord. But the Lord is with us. Like a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. Who's that fourth person in there? The Lord's with them. The Lord is with us. He walks with us through the fire, through the flood. And then the Lord says this. He says, no one, no one will attack you uh, to harm you. So there's a, there's, there's a promise of God's protection while Paul's there. He's going to be shielded and protected and guarded. And then he says, I, for I have many in this city who are my people. So God has a plan. This implies, I believe, and, and other theologians would say this, that, that this implies that there are people who, in Corinth, that are going to come to faith. That Jesus is like, I have many who are my people, and I want you to stay there and keep speaking. Don't be afraid. Don't let fear control you and move you on to the next place. Okay, I know that's a word for somebody here today. Don't let fear control you and move you to make these big life decisions out of fear. We should live by faith and not by by fear. So Warren Wiersbe says this regarding God's word to Paul that I have people in the city. Um, he says, note that divine sovereignty in election is not a deterrent to human responsibility in evangelism. Quite the opposite is true. Divine election is one of the greatest encouragements to preaching the gospel because Paul knew that God already had people set apart for salvation. He stayed where he was and he preached the gospel with faith and courage. Paul's responsibility was to obey the commission. God's responsibility was to save sinners. I love this. The doctrine of divine election, the reality that God has chosen people and he's decided even before the world began that he is going to save people. That should motivate and move us to be active in the work of evangelism, not make us passive and inactive and be like, well, all right, God, you got this. Go ahead and do your thing in Corinth. I'm moving on, right? Because that's... You know, it's an intimidating, immoral city. And instead, we should be motivated and encouraged by the reality that God will save some people when we go and preach the gospel. When we share the word, there are people that are ripe and ready to hear that, that the Lord has been drawing and wooing to himself. That the Lord, before the foundation of the world, has said, this one is mine. This one is mine. And you and I, when we go courageously, boldly, and we preach the message of the gospel, 
We have this amazing privilege to be a part of what God is doing eternally in the life of another human being. Namely, saving them and giving them eternal salvation through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Through them turning away from their sins and putting their faith in Jesus Christ. People get saved and live forever and have all their sins forgiven. And Paul says in Romans 10, how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they're, they're, they're sent, right? So there got to, there has to be somebody who communicates the message God's chosen to save people through the message that comes out of your lips and my lips. That's an amazing privilege and responsibility that we've been given. But God does all the saving. We're just the, the mailman, the delivery man, the Amazon deliverer, the pack, you know, here's the message. You know, oh, you don't like it? Your your blood is on your own hands. Um, Paul said in, 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 in Acts 20, he said, I'm innocent of the blood of all men because I haven't shunned to declare the whole counsel of God. He didn't hold back. He spoke what is true and right. And he, and he gave the people of God the word of God, whether they liked it or not. Whether it was like one of those words that made people feel good or whether they got mad because it felt convicting. And, and you're messing with my idols, man. Stop talking about that. I'm going to hold on to that little thing. You get people mad when you start messing with their idols. And Paul tended to do that. They, people, the Jews got mad. They chased them out of town. So, so this should be an encouragement to us. God's presence that He's with us. God's promise of protection. Uh, and then that God has people. He's predestined people to be saved. That should motivate us to the work of evangelism, not make us passive. And it should give us encouragement. Okay, that God's gonna save somebody. Look what Jesus said in, in, in the context of sending his disciples out and training them for ministry. He said, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. And after they have nothing more that they can do. But I warn, but I warn you to whom the fear. Fear him who after he has killed has authority to cast in the hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why then even the hairs of your head are numbered? Fear not, you are more valuable than many sparrows. Okay? So don't be afraid of man and what man can do to you because God is greater. God is stronger. And God can deliver you. And you know what? You're important to God. More important than birds are. And he knows when every little bird falls to the ground. And those of us who are losing our hair, we, he knows when every one of those hairs fall out of our head. He knows every single detail of our lives. So don't freak out like he doesn't have the whole world in his hands. And you're, and you're helping him hold it up. Right? So you don't sleep at night because you gotta help God. Hold up the world, your world, and your family's world. And you just got to help God hold it up. God, I don't want you to drop it here. This is really important. I think he gots it without us. And when we believe that and we know God as the awesome God that he is, the sovereign God that he is, and the loving God that he is, we can rest at night knowing that 
He got the whole world in his hands. 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 That's a kid's song. That's a song for the children of God to sing. He has the whole world in his hands. He has your life in his hands. He's holding you. Your times are in his hands. Psalm, I believe, 31, 15, David said, my times are in your hands. Okay? And I have to go back to scriptures like that. The Psalms particularly help me make war on fear when I feel it. Because David was surrounded by many fearful circumstances. And he has these beautiful prayers with how he fought in prayer and praise how he fought against his fears, right? And and so David faced these fears. He, You know, he said like, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. So God's presence is enough for us to to dismantle and diminish the fears in our lives. If we will welcome his presence, acknowledge his presence, and stay in his presence, those fears will get pushed out. Jesus said in 1232, he says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Knowing the heart of God, the character and the nature of God will will break the power of fear in your life. His perfect love casts out fear. And when we know him and we have we have this confidence and this boldness in him. Uh, Daniel 11.32 says, Those who know their God will be strong and do exploits. So knowing God strengthens us, encourages us, and gives us courage to stand even in fearful times. And saints, we are going to face in the last days times that are so fearful that Jesus said the hearts of people would fail them for fear of the things that are coming upon the earth. And so we need this. We need this resolve, this strengthening that comes from our relationship with God so that we're anchored in Him and we're not paralyzed in fear and withered away. You know, in the Old Testament, God told the Israelites when there were soldiers amongst them that were afraid and anxious that they, that they had to get out. They couldn't be on the front lines. If, I think Deuteronomy 20. If anyone's afraid to go to battle, get them off because that, that fear would spread. It's contagious. And it would weaken the soldiers. It would weaken the confidence in the soldiers. And, and God would tell, like he told Joshua, soldier, be strong and courageous, right? Be strong and courageous. And so I, I believe that God wants to encourage us today to put courage in us, to do what he's called us to do. Because if we're following him, he's going to call us to take some risk for him. Faith equals risk. Stepping out. When you take risks, there are going to be more fears that, that confront you. 
some of the Old Testament verses. This is one of the verses that my wife clung to in Isaiah 41. Uh, when she was in college, she was a freshman in college. You know, she got out of mom and dad's house. Sweet, I mean, got she she came from a godly family, just nurtured, protected, and and God just protected my wife. And just there's a purity about her. And then she got into college, and she's kind of out there on her own in a sense, right? In college, and she's she got bombarded with anxieties and fears. Just hitting her. I mean, she's like wrestling with grades and she's just trying to find her way in life, right? In college. And, and she even had to, for a short period of time, take some medication to over, overcome that. But one of the, the, the portions of scripture that anchored her and helped her make war on fear was Isaiah 41. So the first three verses and also this verse 10, fear not. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This sounds a lot like what the Lord was talking to Paul in in, in, uh, Acts uh, 18. Fear not, for I am with you. That's God's presence. I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. I'll uphold you. God's presence, God's help, God's protection. Um, Isaiah 35 says this, say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong and fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance with the recompense of God. He will save you. So those of you who may have an anxious and fearful heart today, I say, be strong. Your God will come for you and he will rescue you. Put your trust in him. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. So how do we overcome our fears? Here's here's some practicals here. We identify the fears and the lies that are behind them. You see, with behind our fears, the, the unhealthy fears that are toxic to our soul and crippling to us in following Jesus... Uh, are these lies that we believe about God, about ourselves, about the world. And and these lies fortify the fear. They pump fear into us. Jesus said that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free in John chapter 8. And so we need to identify what those fears are. And and man, when, when you're letting fear dominate your life, it puts pressure on you and your relationships. You're snap snappy with people. When you're anxious and you're afraid, you tend to snap at your spouse or your kids or coworkers much more easily because you're, you're, you're not at rest in your heart. You don't have a quiet heart before God. So just, just a little bit of pressure just kind of sets you off. Like, oh, I can't focus. Ah! Give me space. Space. I need quiet. And I think we can all relate. I think um, I'm not going to stand up here and act like I've never had any fears and never had to fight this fight against fear. Um, I just think about times where I've done some overseas trips and just flown on an airplane and hit some, some significant turbulence where I'm thinking, this is it. I'm going down, going home to glory, but this is it. And I hope it's not painful, but this is it. So in those moments, you know what I've done? I've clinged to the word of God. Portions of scripture like, Psalm 91, uh, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. 
And then I, I think about heaven. I think about the promises of heaven. Like, if I go home today, it's really not that bad. To live as Christ, to die as gain. I mean, it's, it's nice up there. I got a better place up there than I do down here. And I love, I love the elements and the blessings of my life and those that God has placed around me in life. I, I enjoy the life that God's given me here. But God says it's so much better there. It's so much better there. There's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering. And so when I've boarded planes, I've just kind of had to remind myself that, God, I'm, I'm in your hands. And if you take me home today, that's, that's a good thing. That's okay. Right? I mean, I'm gonna be sad about some things. You know, I wanna make sure that I'm ready here, that, that relationships here are right, and that I'm doing my best to, to do the will of God while I'm alive on this earth. Cause I wanna be able to finish with a, with a, a sense of satisfaction knowing that I've done the will of God while I'm here, while I'm alive. So, so the Bible speaks about fear of evil. I will fear no evil. It speaks about the fear of man. The fear of man is a snare, it's a trap. Okay, when you when you're afraid of people and what counteracts the fear of man, Jesus said, don't fear man who can kill the body, but fear God. See, the fear of God will counteract fear of man. You see, if 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 people if there's people in your eyes that are so elevated in your sight that they're they're bigger than God to you, then you're going to be afraid of them. You're going to be you're going to be devastated by their rejection or by being attacked by them. But when you have a big, accurate vision of who God is, it dismantles fear. Because God's bigger than any evil. He's bigger than any enemy, any man. Uh, and and he's, he's, <clears throat> he's greater than death. See, the gospel itself addresses our fears. The gospel addresses our fear. It addresses our fear of evil because God will take every act of evil done towards us and work it together for our good. And he did that when he sent his son Jesus to go to the cross. It was an evil thing to crucify the son of God, to kill him. Yet God had this plan that he would bring about good and salvation to us through this evil plot of man. And God says he'll work all things together for your good and my good. And the gospel gives us freedom from the fear of evil. The gospel gives us freedom from the fear of man being ridiculed and rejected by man because we, through the gospel, are accepted in the beloved. And we have the approval and the smile of God on our life. So we don't need to strive for that from people because we... We have the righteousness of Christ, the approval of God through Christ and what he's done for us. The gospel addresses the fear of loss, loss of stuff and loss of our, or even our life because we have the greatest gain through what Jesus did for us. In Romans 8, 32, it says that if, if God didn't spare his own son, but he gave, gave him up for us freely, willingly, graciously, how much more will he give us all things? So Paul uses this reasoning. If, if God gave like the greatest gift ever, his son, then he's going to give you so much more. There's so many more gifts of grace coming your way. But the greatest gift ever has already been given to you. You got God. 
You got his presence. You got the, you got relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? The, the gospel addresses the fear of death. See, the Bible says in, in second, or in Hebrews chapter two, verse 14 and 15. It says, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one of him who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Through the gospel, Jesus Christ frees people from the bondage of the fear of death. He wants to set us free. And not live in bondage to fear. Fear of man, evil, death, fear of loss. You name it, fear of lack. So confront your fear with God's word. Fight the lies behind those fears. The lies that feed and strengthen those fears within you. Fight those with the word of God. It's like mighty weapon that tears down strongholds. Fight with it. Use it. Don't just give in to fear and try to not think about it. Face it. Don't just stuff it. Face it. And then seek the Lord. Become intimately acquainted with who He is. Seek to know His heart. Seek to hear His voice. It was Paul hearing the voice of the Lord that gave him stability and anchored him and helped him to stay in Corinth and press through and continue on the mission. And then pray about your fears. Talk to God. Let your requests be made known to God. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, by prayer and supplication, letting your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There is your spiritual prescription for anxiety. Pray. Give thanks. And then set your mind on things above. Meditate on what's pure and lovely and praiseworthy. Uh, sometimes we strengthen our fears by meditating on bad things. Watching entertainment that just strengthens fear. Like, and we get a thrill out of it sometimes. We go to see a thriller. And, and it feels good, but then later on we're, we're, we're experiencing the repercussions of pumping ourselves with this adrenaline of fear. And then it's not helpful. In your mind, in your heart later on. So guard your heart. Guard your heart with what you're taking in through entertainment or even through news media. I think it's important to know what's going on in this world. But don't just pump yourself with it because it's hard to even sift through what's what when you're reading the news media these days. I mean, it's so polarizing. And so let's be a people of courage and faith. I'm going to wrap up here. And in wrapping up, I, I just want to um, mention a story I read to... Um, my kids last night about a missionary named Gladys Alwards. She was a missionary to China. And at 26, she um, joined up with China Inland Missions and tried to become a missionary to China. But she she was failing her classes to learn Mandarin. And so she couldn't, they wouldn't let her go. And so she got a job and she was cleaning and doing what she could to, to get to China because she had a call of God on her life. She was going to get there. So at 28 years old, she was able to save up the money she needed to get to China, and she wasn't able to pay for the expensive trip on the boat. She had to take the Trans-Siberian train that goes up through Russia. And But she got there, joined up with this other lady, uh, last name Lawson, 
and they had an orphanage, they had an inn, they had like a place to stay where visitors could come, and then it turned into an orphanage. They were able to care for for all these kiddos. And at one point, the, the governor or the the warden or the, the authorities of a, of a local prison asked her to to come help them because there was this prison that was kind of out of control. They had weapons and they were fighting each other. They weren't getting their needs met, and it was just kind of chaotic. And the prison guards didn't want to go in there, and so they're like, "Let's get this five two small uh, uh, English woman to come and." And help us out. And so they inquire her to say and say, hey, we want you to talk to the prisoners. And she's like, me? Why me? Why not you? Right. And 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 it was it goes something like this. That they, they were like, well, you know, you believe that your God is in you and he's with you. Right. He'll he'll protect you. Then why don't you do it? Right. And she didn't want her testimony to be damaged by not saying, yeah, I'll do it. To live as Christ, to die as gain, right? And so she had to face those fears, and she went in with weakness, fear, and trembling, shaking, right? And she goes in, and there's chaos. There's a dude with a machete or axe or whatever, like chasing other guys, and they're just they're going crazy. And she, this, the guy starts coming towards her with a machete or axe, and she just stood there and she commanded him to give her the axe. And so he, he stopped, he responded, and then all, all the other prisoners came. And he, she, she was used by God to intervene, to bring a sense of peace and order. And, and, and she realized that these guys, they were, they were thin. They weren't getting the, 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 the food that they needed so that they, uh, she, she encouraged that work and, and ability to get some food and get the things that they needed would be provided if they did what they were supposed to do. And, and so she was able to have some prison ministry going on and God used her significantly. Then there was a war with, I think, Japan and China. J- Japanese were attacking and she had a hundred, she was in charge of a hundred orphans. A hundred orphans. Okay. And she, Japanese would have killed, killed them. And, and she took the hike through the mountains. And I think it was, gosh, what was it? 12 miles. I think it was a 12 mile trip through the mountains and she safely made it with the kids. Not one of them were harmed. I think she experienced some sickness. This is a woman who walked in courage, who faced her fears. Okay. Who did the will of God and didn't let fear cripple her from doing what God had called her to do. And may you and I be inspired to do the same as we look at her life, as we look at the Apostle Paul's life, as we're reminded of the promises of God that he's with us. He's always with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. That's enough. That should be enough. He's going to deliver us. Now, if we don't experience deliverance here now, oftentimes he does. You know, somebody's trying to get us and we cry out, God, help me. I remember I was in India and we were in a taxi cab driving with a crazy driver in the mountains of Shillong. And I was with two other Indian Christian guys and I thought this was it. I'm going to meet Jesus today. And we're passing cars on a two-lane road and there's two work trucks coming our way. We're going about 50 miles per hour and the guy slams on the brakes. I'm in the front seat and I put my feet up and I said, Jesus! 
the car skid and it came within feet of going right in, face into a truck. God heard my prayer. God delivered me in that moment. That was his kindness and his goodness that he spared my life. That happens a lot for missionaries and, and for Christians. But then there's times when God takes his people home in those moments. Even after when they cry out, God help me, deliver me. And God chooses to deliver by bringing one of his sons or daughters home. And that's not a bad thing, according to the Apostle Paul, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Right? And so God's faithful. He will, he will deliver us. If God is for us, who can be against us? I mean, who can really harm us? Nobody can eternally harm us. We're secure. And anything that comes our way, any attack that we experience, it's father filtered. Right? God has to allow it. Like, like Satan couldn't do what he did to Job unless God said, okay. Right? God's sovereign. And we can trust in his sovereignty and trust in his protection. Trust that his plan for us is good. His intentions are good. Listen to his voice and let, let his voice diminish the spirit of fear in your life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you fight for us that we're not alone, that, that we are not left here as orphans. And so I pray that our hearts would not be troubled, that we would really believe that you, Jesus, are preparing a place for us, and you have a place for us. I pray that we would be a courageous people who are steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord and that our boldness would be a witness to the lost and dying world around us that we have been with you, Lord, and that we know you. As Jaya Packer says, those who know God, know their God, have show great boldness for God. May we walk in that. Give us boldness to keep on speaking the word, the gospel message and not be stifled. I pray for any brother or sister here who has been in bondage to a spirit of fear, and I pray that today that would be broken, that the truth would bring freedom, and that your love would cast out fear. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.